Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips. From the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is being brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We would ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call, Steve at B Media Production at the Carolina studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light radio show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host on the show this evening, Robert Lee Johnson and Glenn McMillian, as they break unto us the bread of life. And we also ask your blessings upon my co-host, Tim Bench, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. 
We pray that, that you'll continue to bless them and their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you'll bless our listeners who are tuning in to this broadcast via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul's salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. Our speakers for the show this evening in the first segment, my co-host Robert Lee Johnson, he serves as the evangelist for the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shouted out platform on social media, Facebook, that I'll be posing to my co-host Tim Bench, who serves with the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. And to close out the show, my co-host Glenn McMillian. He serves as he serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, this what you hear be that of my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. Let us gather just for 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Robert Lee Johnson. Thank you, sir. Welcome, good friends, to the Gospel Light Radio, radio Show. My name is Minister Robert Lee Johnson, and I'm the Minister. Uh, at the New Horizon Church of Christ in Lake City, Florida. And should you ever happen uh, um, to be traveling my way, I trust that you'll come and be with us and spend some time with us to get to know us. We're small, but we are loving and we are powerful, for we love God and we love his holy uh, word, and we're just grateful uh, to be a part of uh, the church uh, that you're able to read about uh, in the Bible. I welcome you to the program uh, today. I'm always looking forward to opportunities uh, where I can serve the Lord, and I, I appreciate Stevie for giving me the opportunity to uh, be a part of this wonderful uh, gospel uh, service. So many good ministers uh, represent on this program, and they come on, they preach the hearts out, and and they share God's truth. People. So we're not here uh, to do anything. We're not here to raise ourselves up. We're just here to preach uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, share it uh, with the world that's lost uh, in sin and a world that uh, is not able to uh, understand uh, 
uh, the will of Almighty uh, God. So you stay with us, and we'll be sharing the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ and great Bible characters uh, as these men lived the word of God in their lives and they were able to teach people uh, the good things that uh, God wanted them to know as they shared the holy book of God. And that's what we're doing here uh, this this evening. And so welcome to the program and I trust that you you make yourselves at home and and you just follow as they used to say a long time ago. Just get a pencil and some paper and jot these scriptures down, and then go back and read them again, again, and again as we study the book of God and uh, allow that word to uh, be a part of our lives. As I thought about what I would say to you today, uh, I, I want to say that um, uh, the Word of God is uh, good for us and that we should take every opportunity to uh, live it in our lives and to share it with with others. But when I thought about what I needed to say to you today, uh, I thought of Daniel. Uh, in the lion's den, and I want to read some scriptures, and then we'll get into the powerful uh, word of God. The Bible says in Daniel, the sixth chapter, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was uh, first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes, sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, that's a beautiful thing there, that, that these men went out of their way to try to find something against Daniel, but they couldn't find anything against the servant of Almighty God. Uh. It ain't easy. Hello. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets Answer the the phone. <laughs> it's been such a long time since uh, I engaged in this study uh, through the uh, radio that uh, I thought maybe I was doing something wrong and that you were calling to to let me know. 
so the Bible says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now, isn't that a beautiful thing right there? <laughs> Boy, they went out of their way to try to nail Daniel down, nail him to the wall, and they couldn't do it because he was faithful to God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, Thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors, uh, the Bible says, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, days save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, uh, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. And so this is the situation here. These men disliked Daniel. They were jealous of him jealous of his authority, jealous of his power, jealous of his position with the king. And so they sought to do damage to Daniel. And sometimes when people are trying to hurt you, they may have to hurt a whole lot of other people before they get to you. But the sin that is in man will allow him to do that because that's what sin is really all about. And so that's what happened to these men. The faith of Daniel has been an inspiration to many young people. Due to his faith as a young man, when only 15 or 17 years old, Daniel loved God more than he loved his way or the ways of men. And the Bible says that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. That had to have been his goal. Not only was that Daniel's goal, but it was the goal of others who have committed themselves uh, to God, to his will and his way. We find that written in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. So what are you saying, Brother Johnson? Well, Daniel really should also be an inspiration not only to young people, but to elderly people also. Daniel should be as an example of commitment when we are serving God in our golden years, we ought to be committed to the Lord. You know, we, we uh, some people are still floating around, checking and looking and, and, and doing their best to try to figure out what they need to be doing. Look, man, too many years have passed. You need to know 
what you need to be doing for God by now. For we can also read of Daniel's faith as an old man, perhaps even in his mid-80s. Here Daniel is faithful and loyal to God. And so that's just a beautiful thing. So when you have time, I would just like to encourage you to sit down and study Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 28. And there you will find a very moving story that is often referred to as Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, The story is certainly worthy of our careful consideration today. And when you read it, you will find the power and strength that God put there so that we could be the kind of people that would please him. And so in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 1 through 9, we find that these men set the trap for Daniel. Now, they really wanted to get him because they were angry with him, probably because of the attention uh, that he had with the king. You see, when people are important, people would do just about anything to speak to important people. Now, they'll pass by you and me and barely say a word. But important people, they, you know, they want to be recognized. And so these men had a difficult uh, time trying to capture the king's attention because Daniel was there. He was devoted and and dedicated. Daniel is appointed one of three governors over the kingdom. Daniel chapter 6, 1 and 2. The kingdom may be Babylon, Chaldea, recently conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire, Daniel 5, 30-31. The identity of Darius, the Mede, is uncertain. He was possibly a man known as Gubera, appointed by Cyrus of Persia to rule Chaldea. Daniel distinguished himself above the others. That's what he says in Daniel 6 and verse number 3. Distinguish himself. And so, He just didn't live to try to satisfy God, or he did not live to do enough to get by. He distinguished himself. He wanted to please God more than anything in the world, and that's what he did. And so if you are striving today, To be a Christian, don't just be a go-alone person, but be the very best that you can be. Don't just attend one service, but attend all of the services. Don't just give part of the money that you're supposed to give to God, but give God everything that you have committed to him and to his calling. And you'll never be uh, disappointed 
that you did all that God asked of you to do. So we're told that this this man, Daniel, distinguished himself above the others. He stood out because he was such a great warrior and such a great uh, person and that he loved God more than he loved worldly things. That is one of the things that we as the people of God need to really be concerned about. See, we cannot love uh, people, places, or things more than we love the God of this great universe. We must love God more than we love anything else. And when I look into uh, the Bible, I am sure that that's what the Bible tells me about Daniel, that he loved God, he loved uh, the way of God, he loved the will of God more than he loved himself, his family, or anything else. Now, Daniel's success led men to be envious of him. We read in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 4 where those men were envious of Daniel. Even the most godly men can have enemies. Christ did. Uh, David had enemies. And sometimes men are jealous of how we carry ourselves and how we love God and, and, and how we give service and commitment uh, to God, bring that computer, and 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 so we have to be careful that we don't get swallowed up with this jealous spirit. Daniel had a noble character; even his enemies attested to that. And Daniel chapter six and verse number four, uh, we are told in the Word of God. Uh, that this is the case. And so they they were very jealous of this godly man. But notice how Daniel carried out his business. He continued to trust God. He didn't throw up his hands and say, Why me, Lord, like so many of us? Why is everybody against me? Well, they're against you because you are striving to do the will of God. They are against you uh, because you are standing for something, they are against you because God is first in your life. They are against you because you love God more than you love the world. The Bible teaches us that we are not to put the world ahead of God and his way. In First John chapter 2, uh, verses 15 through 17, this is a wonderful scripture uh, to read uh, when you're trying to understand this subject. And so uh, the Bible says, the Bible says that we are to love God more than we love the world. Uh, Do not love the world 
of the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the Bible says, is not of uh, the, the Father, but it is of the world. Listen to him now. And the world is passing away. Talk to us, John. And the Bible says the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. That's the thing that Daniel had uppermost in his mind. He he wasn't worried about what his enemy was going to do to him. He was thinking about the glory that he would share with with his father and with the son because he was faithful uh, to God. His noble character attested even by his enemies. They saw something in Daniel. Let me tell you something now. If you've been serving God for a while, People ought to be able to see that there is something in you that that causes you to stand out, that you're different. You're not like everybody else uh, around you, but you're different because you're a servant of the most high God. And so uh, the Bible says plainly, listen now, the Bible says very plainly because he was faithful. That is, he was trustworthy, he was dependable. Let me tell you something, church. If you are not faithful to God, God will not be able to depend on you. See, see, we must be faithful to God. We must be loyal to God and to the way of God. And so the Bible says that this Daniel was faithful, he was trustworthy, Yes, he was dependable. And so his enemies determined that there was only one way to defeat Daniel. They needed to find some conflict between the law of God and that of the land. And so this is what they set out to do. They said the only thing that will help us now is that we'll be able to find something between Daniel and his God. That's the way we can trick him. Uh, That's the way we can trap him. That's the way we can catch him with his hands in the cookie jar. Isn't that something? When you are serving God and you are a Christian, and the only way people can get you is to find something that you are doing that God commanded you to do, and because you are doing those things faithfully, so they'll say, well, we got to find something that he's doing that God told him to do because they knew he was a faithful guy. And so they targeted Daniel. The king is approached by Daniel's enemies in Daniel 6 and verse number 6. They proposed a royal statute, a firm decree. Let us establish this decree that no petition can be made of any God or man for 30 days except the king. 
And so under punishment of being cast into the den of lions, the king is then encouraged to go ahead and establish this decree. And uh, which according to the law of the Medes and Persians, once established, it cannot be altered. So we find that King Darius signed the decree. And Daniel's faith in God did not lead him to go against God. Daniel's faith in God led him to do just as he had always done. He said, I'm just going to have to go on and, and trust my God. He knew what they were doing. He knew why they were doing it. But he didn't give up. Daniel's faith in God brought him success up to this point. But now the exercise of his faith could very well cause him to lose it all. What would we have done in his place? As we continue to study God's word, let us know what Daniel did. The Bible says, that the trap is sprung. You'll find in Daniel 10 and verse number 17, they set up this to cause a problem for Daniel. And Daniel recognized their unfaithfulness to God and their faithfulness to Satan. But Daniel said, he said in essence, I must keep on serving my God. I'm not going to give up. And that's what he did. Knowing full well that the decree had been signed, according to Daniel 6 and verse number 10, Daniel continued to pray. The Bible tells us, look at uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 55, uh, when you have time. Psalms 55 and... Uh, Verses, uh, uh, the verses number 17. It's right there in the book of God where the people of God were in constant prayer to God. It is so discouraging when people just stop loving God and worshiping God and putting God in their lives and making God the main ingredient In one's life, that they many people just shut off God when things don't go their way, and so the Bible says, the Bible says, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. This, this man had this man had faith in God. He said, I'm calling on God every day. And that's what he did. And I'm here to tell you, God did not let him down. God blessed him. And God gave him more faith that he might continue to serve the master. That's what we need to do, friends. We need 
to have more faith in God. Don't give up when things don't go your way. Just keep on serving Jesus. He is the one that we need to call upon. He is the one that we need to praise. He is the one that we should never turn our backs on. So this Daniel, man, this guy had his mind made up to serve God. He had to. He had not made his mind up to serve God. He would not have made it. And so the Bible tells us we're to call upon God. We're to pray toward Jerusalem. Uh, It's what the Jews did in the Old Testament. And Daniel got down on his knees. This was a common posture. People said, well, you don't have to get down on your knees, and most people never get on their knees to call on God. I don't think you have to be on your knees for God to hear you. But I think every now and then you ought to get down on your knees and pray to God and call on God and let God know what is in your heart and what is in your mind. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, as he was writing to uh, this spiritual uh, congregation, and encouraging them in the way of God. The Bible says, uh, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See? Don't give up if you have a car accident on a Sunday morning when you're going to Bible study, don't give up because you go to the hospital and, um, you know, you have to have an operation. Don't give up because you lose your job. Don't give up. When your friends turn uh, their backs on you, don't give up. Just keep on keeping on. And so my Bible says we need to be thanking God when you got trouble in your life. And so many Christians leave the church when they have trouble in their life. So many Christians don't even drive by the church building when they got trouble in their life. Daniel said, I have none of that. I'm going to call on my God three times a day. Morning, evening, at noon, the Bible says, got down on his knees and talked. To his heavenly father. Man, let me tell you something. You better quit going around talking about this pandemic. This pandemic is about to kill all of us. Man, get on your knees and talk to God. Tell God all about it. Preach, Johnson. Tell God all about it. So Daniel's own custom, even in his early days, was to talk to God. And so we read in Daniel 6 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew uh, that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened uh, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, 
The Bible says he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had always done. People trying to get you, man, you you need to go to church. You need to spend some time in worship. When your boss is, is being hard on you, you need to keep worshiping and serving God. God can turn things around for you. God can make it all right. That's what happened with with Daniel. And so he set up great and powerful and fervent prayers. He talked to God. Though Daniel was uh, weary and aged, he was not tired of praying. I pray to God that I never get tired of of praying, calling on God. I went to walk out of my house this morning, and I said to my wife, I said, baby, would you, would you have a prayer with me? She said, yes. She don't ever get tired of praying to God. Just keep those prayers warm. And going up uh, to the throne of God. And God will bless you. And God will help you. And the writer says he will hear your prayers. And so they caught Daniel. Let me tell you something. When you're doing right, you ought to want to get caught. They caught him because he kept on praying. They caught him because he didn't deny God. They caught him because prayer was on his menu. And so when they found him, he was praying. When they left him, he was praying, talking to God. And so my Bible says in Daniel 6 and verse number 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. See, when your enemies find you, let them see you praying sometimes, friend. Don't let them see you weak. Don't let them see you crying, but let them see you praying to God because you have a God who can make everything all right. Preach, Brother Johnson. I'm here to tell you tonight, tonight that he can. And so they reported Daniel to the king. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 12 uh, and number 13, then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Has thou not signed a decree? that every man that shall ask a petition of any God, a man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Listen at these devils talking. The king answered and said, The thing is true. According to the law of the Medes uh, and the Persians. He said, Yeah, that, that, that's true. That that he said that that is true, and and so Daniel was not afraid to talk to God, even when men and the king had signed a petition. Did we catch you praying? We're gonna throw you in the lines. Then I mean, listen, you're not gonna be a taster of the word of God 
if you're not faithful to God. The church today is in a very weak spot. We need to get strong again, but we're very, now we're very weak. We need to let God be in our lives once again. And so this is what they said to the king in uh, verses 14 and 15. Then the king, when he heard these words, was so displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. But the king could not break his law. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which, which the king establishes may be changed. In other words, we can't change this law. They said, you signed the king. <laughs> Man, you better be careful what you sign in life. Somebody put paper and pen under your nose, and you just go ahead and start writing. They ain't even read the thing. They'll tell you what it says generally. But what you need to do is read it for yourself. And so they told the king, you got to, you got to abide by this. Uh, decree. And then the Bible says, because the king had signed this decree, O Daniel was thrown in the den of lions. In Daniel 6 and verse number 16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I'm going to tell you something. Some some of us in the church today would not, we wouldn't have had a chance, really. Because we have no purpose or commitment in our lives to the Lord. It would have been a sad day for some of us. But not for Daniel. Because Daniel loved the Lord and loved his word. And Daniel was willing to follow God and his will. And then in verse 17 of Daniel 6, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Yeah, those men meant to get rid of Daniel. And and sometimes we can see what people are doing, and yet we won't believe it. Well, well, you better believe it. And sometimes people would tell you what they're doing, and, and, and still we won't believe it. You need to start believing what people are doing to you. And, and really, you shouldn't have fellowship with people who are striving to be hurtful or injurious, those who have deleterious 
motives towards you, your family, and the church of our Lord. And so the Bible says in verse 18, Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And then the king, listen to, to this now, and then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried uh, with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O oh, oh Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thy service continually able to deliver thee from the lions. Man, let me tell you something. God can do anything. You, do you hear what I'm saying? He can do anything. Don't ever doubt the power of God. Don't ever box God in and think that God would not come through for you. God can do anything. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he can take care of whatever situation you have. And so the trap was spoiled because when the king went to check on Daniel, yes, so Daniel, Daniel, is everything all right? And uh, he got up early in the morning <laughs> and he talked. Daniel. Then in verses 21 and 22, if you please, uh, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says regarding man of God, then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Talk, Daniel. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Get him up out of the den. The lions didn't hurt him. The king was on Daniel's side. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought these men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and break all of their bones. In pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. If you serve God and do what's right, God will bless you and take care of you. If you are wicked and sinful and disobedient to God, God will allow bad things to happen in your life. Daniel was a good, he was a good man. He was a, he was a love of God and the will of God. And because of that, God took care 
of Daniel. God delivered him from the, the mouths of the lions. And you know, when when the lions were turned loose on men, they would starve those lions for days. Because in many instances, this was used as sport. Yeah, they loved to see people killed. But it didn't hurt Daniel because God was watching over him, and God took care of Daniel. I want to tell you something. God would take care of his own. If you love God and do what's right, and God would take care of you. Don't give God the scraps of your life and expect God to take care of you. Man, treat God right. Be good to God because we want God to be good to us. The Bible says Daniel had an excellent spirit. Because of that excellent spirit, God loved Daniel and protected him. And God made a way for him. I want to I thank you for listening today. I hope I said something that encourage you, whatever your situation is today, you may be in the lion's den, but you're not down there by yourself. God got you. God got your back. God will take care of you. God is looking out for you. If you're unsaved today, you want to be saved, believe the gospel to be true. Jesus said, go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every Christian. He that believeth, uh, preach the gospel uh, to every creature, I'm sorry. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if you believe the word of God and get baptized, God promises us salvation. I would encourage you to find a faithful church of Christ and work and worship with that congregation. And be faithful and loyal to God. Until God decides to split the clouds of heaven and come together, his children. Thank you so much for listening to the word of God. I trust that the word of God has meant something to you. If you're ever traveling in the Lake City area, please stop and worship with us at the New Horizon Church of Christ, 6130 South. Highway 441 in Lake City, Florida. God bless you. You Have a wonderful day. I trust that the word of God meant something to you today. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Stevie, and other preachers that will be on today to uh, share the word of God. May God bless them and be with them. And may they be encouraged to continue to preach the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Have a great day. God bless you. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. 
It's an exciting time for your congregation. And what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this radio broadcast, just contact me at Carolina TV Media Production Studio at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Also, send your emails to my new email address, steve 1009 at yahoo.com. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there will be a nationwide gospel call sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number of this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved, as well as information regarding the churches of Christ. It's also intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And the Bible Class will be held on www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. And each week, each day, rather, of the week from 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ prayer line will be hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number for this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And access code is 514-859. My co-host here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, Steve Porto, has a new book entitled God, Grace, and Youth. And you can quote this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio, and we have two new productions that we're airing here on Tuesday night on What a Word from the Lord radio show. Every third Tuesday of the night, the my co-host, Shana Otis, from the Greyway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee, she has a team with Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry, that will be on that broadcast every third Tuesday of the month. And that show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we also have another new production here on the Steve Reeves Media Productions that, that will air on What a Work in the Lord Radio Show on the fourth Tuesday of the month. That will be the Kelly Fletcher Show. And she has a variety of topics that they're dealing with, and she also has a variety of guests that will be on that broadcast as well. So we're looking forward to hearing that show every fourth Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. On what a word from the Lord Radio Show that airs on Tuesday night here on Blog Talk Radio. Stephen B's new production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Or the telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And on Tuesday night, we like we have changed the lineup for the show, What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Every first Tuesday of the month, there will be no show scheduled. Every second Tuesday of the month, we'll have a special guest speaker on that broadcast. 
we also have the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. And also I have three co-hosts on that show as well, Lou Gilbert from the Fulbright Park Church of Christ in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Isa Mullins from the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And of course, Shauna Otis with the Mid-Tennessee Single Ministry as well. And then on Thursday night each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And on this broadcast, I have eight co-hosts who will be presenting messages from the Word of God. And we also have the shout-out question from my social media platform on Facebook that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on each broadcast. And we'll have two of my co-hosts will be on the air with me on each show on Thursday night. And then on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And on this radio show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of Walter And we have the Story Glory segment that we try to do every first Friday of the month on the 22nd of October, we will have on the broadcast Curtis Williamson from Nashville, Tennessee. will be debuting a new CD from Curtis on that broadcast. And also on the 29th of October, we'll have uh, Irvin C. Jackson from Wesley Chapel, Florida. He'll be debuting some new music on that broadcast as well. Then on October the 15th, I'll be counting down my top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of October. If you have not had an opportunity to listen to any of these live shows, wherever you get your favorite podcast, we want to encourage you now to visit the various musical platforms that you can pull up these shows at your leisure. We have over 600 episodes on these various platforms uh, for the uh, various shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. And some of the main uh, musical platforms that we always like to mention are uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, YouTube, just to name a few, and you can pull these shows up at your leisure. I have a new program manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you'd like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, just give her a call at 954-687-4705. I also like to give a shout out to all of my sponsors who are sponsoring these shows. We certainly appreciate all of our sponsors. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois, Bethesda Memorial, Criminal Director of Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas, Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas, Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina, Yvonne Blazing Cracker Duke from Nashville, Tennessee, Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina, Marquise Hallman from Charlotte, North Carolina, Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina, and Diversified Financial Network LLC from Dallas, Texas, and Ordain Faith Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production that is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. Stay tuned. Our shout-out question is coming up next after the break. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. There's a story of an old sister who would come to church every Sunday. It was pain aching in her body. 
you would struggle from the back of the church all the way to the front pew. Sometimes with tears streaming from her eyes. And one day, one of those young sisters got beside us. And she told that old sister, sister, if you're in so much pain, why don't you just turn around and just stay home sometimes? That old sister just held her Bible closed and said these words. As I read the story of old, and I look at old man Joe, he lost everything that he had. One day Now can't you see him as he spoke with his wife When she said you ought to curse your God and die I can't imagine with tears in his eyes I can hear Joe say I won't let No sickness, no sorrow, no pain. See, this is what I've learned. You see, when time in life gets hard, that's when you ought to fall down and worship God. So I won't let nothing. No, 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 no. She told us, she said, before I take it back, I'll add more about those. Hebrew boys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego When the king said Better bow down before that image That day Well, those boys were scared of the fire Hey, they looked the king dead in their eyes With no fear in their hearts I hear you say I can't. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to my co-host. We also want to encourage our listeners to join that group on Facebook, on social media, and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, my co-host that will be answering this question is Tim Bench from the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. Tim, how are you doing this evening? How are you, Stevie? I'm doing just fine. Now, we got a doozy for you here. Now, this is from the question from an anonymous person from the state of North Carolina. And the question is, what is going to happen to the soul of man when he dies? What say you to this question? This is a very good question, Stevie, and there are some common misperceptions about this. All humanity has been endowed by God with a soul or a spirit, and these terms are used interchangeably at times. You can contrast John chapter 12, verse 27, with John chapter 13, verse 21. We are told that the soul leaves the body at death in Genesis 35, 18, and James 2, 26, and remains in a separate state until ultimately the general resurrection occurs. This spirit state is called Hades ten separate times in the New Testament, and the word Hades comes directly from Greek into English letter for letter. And in the King James translation, for example, the Greek term Hades is translated as the word hell, but that's incorrect. Hades is the generic name for the state of all spirits of the dead, whether they are righteous or whether they are wicked. We know that Jesus' spirit was in Hades. This is elsewhere designated as Abraham's bosom in Luke 16, verse 22 or paradise in Luke 23 verse 43 while the body of Jesus lay in the tomb according to Acts chapter 2 verse 27 likewise we know from the story about the selfish rich man that was mentioned by Christ he was tormented in Hades according to Luke 16 verse 23 so most likely this is the same state as is that called hell or Tartarus, which is a condition of rebellious angels who are chained by darkness. We read that in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. That is reserved until their ultimate deposition in hell, or Gehenna. In this state is the final destination of all the wicked. This would be the rebel angels, including Satan, and all evil humans, according to Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, and Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. So what does this word Gehenna mean? The name Gehenna is taken from a site near Jerusalem known as the Valley of Hinnom. And in the Old Testament, this was where the, this was where the followers of Baal sacrificed their own children by fire to appease Molech. You can reference Second Chronicles 28, verse 3, 2 Chronicles 33, verse 6, and also Jeremiah 7, 31, and Jeremiah 19, verses 2 through 6. Eventually, this whole area became a sort of massive trash dump. It was filled with carcasses of criminals and animals and refuse and so on, 
and would eventually become associated with everlasting destruction and death. That's why that term would have such meaning to a Jewish audience. So if we compare Gehenna versus Hades, for example, in both Judaism and Christianity, Gehenna is a destination for the wicked, but it differs from the words Sheol and Hades. Hades is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Sheol, referencing a temporary abode of the dead, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 31, and Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. Sheol appears 65 times in the Old Testament. And it's interesting, Stevie, Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, is the only time that Hades is described as a place of torment. And in Latin, Hades is translated as purgatorium, which is where we get the English word purgatory, which is typically associated with the Catholic Church. I want to read a couple of citations, which I think will give great clarity to this. This is from the Burleson Church of Christ in Hamilton, Alabama. Quote, The Bible affirms that the souls of all the dead, both righteous and unrighteous, go to Hades to await the return of Christ, the resurrection of the body and the final judgment. Contrary to popular belief and usage, Hades is not a euphemism for hell. It's also unfortunate that many have been confused by the King James Version's rendering of Hades as hell in 10 of its 11 New Testament appearances. The only exception is the appearance of the word grave in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. Literally, Hades means unseen. Its usage in the New Testament speaks to the repository of the souls of all the dead, both righteous and unrighteous. Though Hades is not found in the text, this is what Jesus taught in Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. According to this text, Hades is divided into two dwelling places, one for the righteous and the other for the unrighteous. The place of the righteous is a place of comfort, verse 25, described as Abraham's bosom in verse 22. Of the temporary abode of the righteous from the cross, Jesus referred to this place as paradise in Luke 23, verse 43. The waiting place of the unrighteous is a place of fire and torment, according to Luke 16, verses 23 through 25, and also verse 28. Peter calls this place Tartarus in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Most scholars agree that torment and Tartarus are the same place. Paradise and torment are separated by a great impassable gulf in Luke 16, verse 26, end quote. In other words, Stevie, when we die, we are going to Hades, and there are two separate sections for Hades. There's one of uh, great fire, great suffering. There's also one of comfort. And again, from that point, from that destination, we would await the final judgment and our final uh, movement to either hell or heaven for all eternity. From the North 2nd Street Church of Christ, this is in Clarksville, Tennessee, quote, the King James Version has the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16, verse 23, and Jesus, Acts chapter 2, verse 27, in hell, neither were in Gehenna. Both were in Hades. This leads us to where we go when we die. 
all who die before our Lord returns will enter Hades to wait for the resurrection. In Hades, there will be comfort for the Christian, Luke 16, verse 22, and Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11, and there will be torment for the unrepentant, according to Luke 16, verse 25. Hades is from where the dead of Christ will rise first, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Unbelievers do not go straight to hell, and believers don't immediately enter heaven. The judgment day must come first. The Bible is clear. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Hebrews 9.27, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. On the resurrection day, we must all answer the question, was I a good and faithful servant of God's Son? When the trumpet sounds, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That's in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, end quote. So I hope this clarifies a little bit of the misperceptions about the word hell, especially when we look at the King James Version. But again, when we die, all of us, good or bad, are going to Hades. Uh, and from there, we will wait. We will await our eternal uh, our judgment, and then our eternal destination. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. King of kings and Lord of lords, he will hear our Thank you. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Glenn McMillian from the Waterview Church of Christ. Good evening, and once again, welcome to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This evening, I am continuing the series that I started. going over the tenets of Calvinism and why uh, specifically this doctrine is leading to an exodus uh, from not only from churches that, that adopt Calvinism as their, uh, their, their specific doctrinal uh, framework, but also from uh, all of Christianity. See, these these uh, people are not leaving these churches and going to other churches that teach something different, they are leaving Christianity altogether. And that is a problem that we need as uh, Christians to be able to address and be able to uh, intercept and and bring those people back into relationship with Christ uh, that may have been damaged by uh, the unfortunate nature of uh, that that uh, our picture that, that Calvinist uh, paints of the God we serve. So again, uh, today tonight's lesson uh, is you is for unconditional election. Last time I was here, we talked about uh, total depravity. That is the doctrine that uh, people are born in a sinful state that they have no ability to choose to do good things. And again, that makes sense from the Calvinist perspective. If God is sovereign and he is the only one that makes good choices, uh, then that leaves no good choices for us to make. And so therefore we are uh, condemned. And we talked about how they blame that um, on 
Adam and his sin led to that condition. But as we're going to see today, that that, that is not necessarily what they actually believe. So if we go to, uh, again, instead of me explaining what uh, unconditional election is, I will allow them to explain it for themselves. This comes from the Confession of Faith of the Presbyterian Church of the United States and on God's eternal decree, and it reads, God, from all eternity, did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own freely and unchangeable own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. By the degree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestined unto life and others foreordained unto everlasting death. These angels and men thus predestined and foreordained are particularly and unchangeably designed. The number is so certain and definite that it is that it cannot be either increased or diminished. So, already we're, we're starting to see a, a massive contradiction between what uh, Calvinists typically, typically teach and what this may say that our sinful condition was brought about by uh, the sin of Adam. And because of Adam, we all became sinful through his sin. But again, the, the doctrine of unconditional election says that the choice to send people to heaven or hell was made before the foundation of the world. So before Adam even sinned, some of us were on our way to hell, even before we had a sinful nature that we could blame it on. Before Adam did anything to, uh, to cause us to be tainted by sin. In fact, Logically speaking, if Adam had never sinned, um, some of us would still be going to hell because that number had already been determined before the sin that Adam uh, Adam committed was imputed to us. That in and of itself already puts a problematic light on this. Uh, so, again, what is the problem? What is the effect of having this doctrine and what does that do to people who are questioning their place with God? Well, number one, if the number of people who, can, who are saved and who are lost has already been determined and there's nothing I can do about it, then, again, what is the point of all of the things that we're doing? There's, there's no reason to, uh, to go out and, and preach the gospel. If the, if the people that are saved are already saved and the people who are lost are already lost, then why should I preach the gospel? Why should I try to live a good life if I'm either already put on a, a saved list or on a uh, going to hell list? That list has already been locked in stone. It was locked in stone before the foundation of the world. Why should I bother altering my behavior? How would I even know if I'm on this list or not? See, there's two problems with unconditional election. There's the unconditional, and then there's the election. So the unconditional part is the part that 
makes God into a uh, a respecter of persons, as, as the uh, as the Bible says. God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't consider one person to be special above another uh, because of some arbitrary factor. Um, but that's exactly what Calvinists teach. In fact, the the way they interpret that verse is that God doesn't respect persons in the in that the choice was not made on any basis that we could claim merit or favor from. It was made arbitrarily. It was made at at, at some degree of randomness or by God's own sovereign uh, determination based on some criteria that is beyond our uh, ability to understand. So it might as well be a random criteria. Um, completely unbiased and, un, uh, again, unconditional. And so if that is the case, if God has arbitrarily or, you know, from at least from our perspective arbitrarily uh, decided who's going to heaven and going to hell, then Again, we, then you're, you're, you say that you serve an arbitrary and capricious God who does not care about us <laughs> in any uh, form or fashion. Uh, he doesn't care if we're trying to live our lives the best we can. He doesn't care if we are in complete rebellion to what the Bible says the will of God is. He's going to determine whether we go to heaven or hell based on something that is completely uh, outside of that framework. And then the other side is the election part, the, the, this, this idea that some people are called, some people are chosen, some people are going to heaven, and that is uh, their fate as opposed to the people who are not called, not elected. So it is very comforting to the people who believe that they are called, believe that they are elected, that their fate cannot be changed. I'm going to heaven. Nothing that happens can. I am safe and secure in my faith and in my uh, uh, relationship with God, and I can uh, be assured that uh, no matter what's going on, uh, that's not going to change. That's a very comforting and and uh, comforting and, and reassuring belief uh, if it's true. But what if you are not one of those people? What if you are not one of the called? And how would you even be able to, to determine if you're one of the called? So one of the reasons why I uh, started getting into this and, and wanted to do a series on this uh, was I was actually doing some reading uh, in a political space, uh, of all things, and a person was commenting on why our prison system is, is such a mess. Um, and I know this sounds unrelated, but bear with me. And one of the reasons why this person pointed out that the prison system is the way it is why it doesn't uh, value rehabilitation as much as it does punishment is because of the influence of Calvinism throughout uh, the early 
uh, foundation of Christian uh, of the the American uh, legal system. Listening to that and hearing that at first blush, it sounds unrelated, right? It doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Why why would those things be at all connected? And when I first read this person's article, they kind of just stated it as a fact and didn't really explain it. Um, and so it took me a while to kind of think through how they came to this conclusion. But when you really think about it, it makes sense. Because if you believe that people who are – people are the way that they are and there's nothing that can change them, if a person is totally depraved and there's nothing you can do to, to fix that because that's, they're, they're just bad, and they are either elect to go to heaven or hell, and there's nothing you can do to change their fate, then rehabilitation is not something that you're going to value because rehabilitation is not possible if you are doomed to whatever fate you are. So it's easy to say, so how do we know that we are called or not? Well, the Bible says, like we talked about last uh, before, that those people who are born of God do not sin. So you can either take that to mean that people who are born of God either don't have their sins counted against them, which leads to universal salvation. Everybody's free. Everybody's going to heaven. But that's not the way they read it. They read it the other way, which is people who are born of God don't commit sin. They don't do bad things. So therefore – by extrapolation, if you ha- find somebody who is doing bad things, they, they get themselves in trouble with the law, that person must not be one of the call. They must not be one of the people who is born of God. Therefore, it doesn't. we're going to put these people away, put them away from society, away from the good people, and what happens to them doesn't matter. We might as well punish them. We might as well torture them. We might as well do whatever to them. Because they can't be changed anyway, so there's no we're not going to value rehabilitation here. We're just doing this this whole person thing to keep them away from the good people who do the good things, and the, the bad people go over there. Um, now, whether you buy that line of argument or not, it makes sense. It has certain logic to it, and. That again is the problem with Calvinism in general. It's the logic. The Calvinism is a is a logical system as much as it is a doctrinal system, and the logic of Calvinism flows in a certain way, where it makes sense if you look at the benefit side, but if you look at the the negative, if you are a person who finds themselves in trouble with the law, and now you are facing a system that has no rehabilitation for you, only punishment for you, that is not something that you're going to find to be a pleasant experience. And, and that is the, the case that we see in a lot of cases. People have a hard time coming back from uh, a prison sentence because they, don't, they never overcome it. They're, it is always being held against them. It's always being um, – thrown back into their faces, even after they've served their time, even after they've paid their paid their debt to society, uh, they still can't get a job. They still can't because there is no value of rehabilitation or bringing people or forgiving people of the things that they've done because the underlying assumption 
of our system is that people don't actually change. Um, and whether or not that comes from Calvinism or not, it is the, the general sense that people are having out, out there is that it comes from Calvinism, which comes from Christianity, which comes from the God that we serve. They don't just blame you know, the Presbyterian church for this. They blame all of Christianity for it. They blame the God that we serve for it. And so the reputation of the God that we serve is being damaged by this false doctrine that paints him in the light of a capricious and arbitrary and frankly cruel uh, master to those who have not been chosen. Again, not that you don't choose him or rebel against him but just haven't been chosen for whatever random and arbitrary reason uh, he came up with before sin even existed. So that is the damage that is being done uh, by this idea that God has unconditionally elected people to either salvation or damnation before there was even sin. So it is imperative that we as uh, Bible-believing Christians are able to deal with this uh, situation in an intelligent, honest, and uh, logical and caring way to bring people who have been alienated from God because of this doctrine back into proper relationship with it. So how do we address uh, this doctrine of the, the unconditional election? Um, well, first of all, let's, we'll deal with the, the unconditional part, that there's nothing unconditional about our salvation. Uh, we go through the Bible and, and look at verses that talk about salvation. It is always conditional on our obedience. Uh, just uh, off the top of my head, Mark uh, 16, 15, and 16, that by, Jesus said that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's two conditions on our salvation, our belief and our baptism. Uh, again, the words of Jesus in, in Mark, that uh, he who uh, confesses me before men, my father will confess before the angels in heaven. He who does not confess me, my father will not confess him. But again, that confession is that acceptance by God is conditional on our obedience, on our willingness to confess Christ. Luke chapter 13, verses th- uh, 3 and 6, uh, he who uh, does not repent, the soul who does not repent shall die. Uh, again, repentance is Necessary. Therefore, our salvation is conditional on our repentance. So, every uh, time we talk about salvation in Scripture, every time we, we see the uh, act of God bringing a lost person into uh, a, a right condition, it is always conditional on that person's faith that person's obedience to 
the uh, the doctrine of Christ or the doctrine of God, depending on uh, which side of the cross we're dealing with. So this idea that our election, that our salvation is unconditional, that it has nothing to do with what we do or what we believe or what we, we say or think, uh, frankly, <laughs> is very easy to, 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 to deal with from a scriptural standpoint. Again, it doesn't make sense doctrinally. It only makes sense logically because it has to follow from uh, the fact that we don't actually make choices. You know, if you've already accepted that uh, we are totally depraved and don't have the ability to make choices, it makes sense that our salvation is not based on our choices. It's not based on our the way that we live our life. But again, you know, in Hebrews it says they. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, that God is the author of salvation to those who obey him. Again, salvation is conditional on obedience. So you can't run away from the conditional nature of our election. So what about this election? What about this idea of predestination, that God knows where we're going before we get there? And therefore, our fate is, in a sense, already sealed. And again, this, this flows from the concept of God being sovereign. God, God is sovereign, and he is all-knowing. Therefore, uh, we can't surprise God. We can't choose something that God doesn't expect us to choose. Therefore, God can already determine, using his foresight, where we're going to end up. So, and if God knows the future, then our future can't be changed. It can't be altered. And I think that that is a, a faulty way of looking at what the Bible says about our final state and what God says about himself. So who is uh, going to heaven is the question. See, the Bible does talk about predestination, but uh, let's look at a one of the verses, uh, like the, the, there's a couple of verses, places there where the Bible mentions predestination. These are the places where uh, Calvinists anchor themselves in teaching this doctrine of, of being unconditionally elected. Um, but if we take a closer look at them, we'll see that what is really being said there is not the fact that people are individually chosen and predestined, but they, a class of people is chosen and predestined. So if we look at, um, let's go to Romans chapter 8 and look at verses 28 through 30. And we know these verses well. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and, who, and to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So again, again, at first blush, it sounds like God chose people from at some point in the past. He predestined them. He foreknew them. And those are the people he called. And those are the people he worked for. And those are the people who are going, he's going to save. And the other people are not mentioned, so those people are left out of this equation. But again, let's look very closely at who is being called here. It says, for we know 
that God works together, works, causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. My friends, that is a condition. <laughs> we, again, who is we in this, in this sentence? You know, God, you know, Paul is writing to a specific audience. He is writing to Christians in Rome. Who are the Christians in Rome? Well, Christians in Rome are the people who have been converted to Christ, those who have already given their lives over to Christ. That in, itself, in and of itself is the condition for, to get into this argument and get into this conversation. There's already a condition to be even, even dealing with this. God is, you know, Paul is not just writing this out to uh, random people, or, or, and this is not a, a message to people who are lost, who are outside of, of the church. These are, this message is for people who are already in, the, in Christ, those who have already been baptized. Again, we already talked about this when we talked about Romans chapter 6 a while ago, that that message is a reminder to people who have already been baptized. This, again, is a reminder to people who have already been receptive to the call of God. So he, we, so we, those of us who are saved, know that God works all things together for those who love God, not for those who God loved arbitrarily before the foundation of the world, but for those who love God. That is a condition again, a second condition. Those who love God, God works for. God is working things out for. Those who do not, those people have chosen not to have things work out for themselves. Those who are called according to his purpose are those who love God, are those who have responded to his call. So that response is conditional, is a precondition for the rest of the stuff that that comes along. For those whom he foreknew, he predicted. Now, again, those whom he foreknew is not talking about individuals. If it was talking about individuals, then Calvinism wins because God knows each each person individually. He picks people individually that he foreknows are going to be obedient, and those people on their way to heaven and everybody else who's is in a bad state. But again, this foreknowledge is not talking about individuals. It's talking about this class of people. Which class of people? Those who love God. So. He has determined, predetermined, a destination for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Those people, he foreknows that those people, that group of people, are going to a certain place. Those people are going to be sanctified, justified, glorified, because on the basis of their, their loving of God. And again, loving of God is not just having a positive feeling towards God. It implies obedience to God's word. If Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So loving God means those who are obedient to God. Those who are obedient to God. God has set up a destination for those people. That was set up. That pathway to salvation was set up before the foundation of the world. That Understanding that at some point people would need a savior to save them from their sins is 
not an individual level. It's not each individual person has to be called specifically out of this uh, total depri- totally depraved state. But each person will be given a tool. And there is a group of people that are going to a certain place and another group of people who are not. But we get to choose <laughs> on the basis of our loving God whether to enter into that group. So let's make this a little bit more clear. Let's go to another passage that the, that uh, Calvinists like to use in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh and let's start at verse. Where's the verse? I dropped my verse. Hold on a second. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love." He predestined us to, as the, to the adoption of sons to Jesus Christ according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Again, at first blush, it sounds like, okay, we were before the foundation of the world, people were chosen to be in Christ. But again, who is we in this sentence? This letter is, again, not written to everybody in the world. It's written to the church at Ephesus, so the people who, again, by virtue of their obedience to Christ, have entered into the church, are part of this conversation. So those are the we. That condition happens even before we even start reading the verse. Then it says we. He has uh, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, and before the foundation, just as He chose us. Again, chose us. Not us individually, us as a group, us as the church. How did we get into the church? How did we become a part of the church? By being obedient to his will. So we were chosen on the basis of us being obedient to his will before the foundation of the world, that we be, be holy and blameless before him. So, again, this, this argument that people are chosen individually again, doesn't line up with Scripture because every place that you see in Scripture talking about salvation is conditional on the obedience of the person being saved. And so even these verses that tend to lend credence to the idea that people are predestined, they're only predestined if that they only support that doctrine if you look at the us and the we individually. But the us and the we are not individuals. It is a group of people. It is the church to which Paul is writing. He's writing not to individual people. He's writing to the church as a group. And so we get to choose whether or not we want to be part of that group. And that group is predestined to glory. That group is predestined to justification and justification and glorification. But you get to choose whether or not you want to be part of that group. And so that is the the blessing that comes with knowing the truth about God. God is not choosing people arbitrarily. He's not sending people to hell uh, on a whim. 
He's giving all of us the choice. This group, this this church is going to be saved. This church is going to uh, a final destination in glory. You get to choose whether or not you want to be part of this church. And we sincerely hope that you choose to do so. Uh, you do so by, again, hearing the word of the Lord, which you have heard today, uh, by believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he's going to return to uh, take this church to glory, uh, that you repent of the things that you've done, you are willing to confess uh, Jesus as Lord, and that you are willing to be baptized uh, in water for the remission of your sins, and then raised to new, walk in newness of life. That's the choice that you get to make. And then once you've made that choice, you're on the road. That's the beginning of your relationship with God, and you're on the road uh, to heaven as long as you stand fast in these things. Again, at every point, you are getting to make a choice. It is, it is never taken away from you. Um, and that is the truth about God as opposed to uh, the lie that, that Calvin uh, and, and those who perpetuate Calvinism uh, are telling about, about God. So the lesson is yours. I hope that the, that helps you in dealing with um, these, these concepts and dealing with people who are uh, wrapped up in uh, the lie of Calvinism, the lie of the, the, the arbitrary and capricious and evil God uh, that Calvinist, uh, Calvinism uh, presents to the world. And I, I hope that this equips you uh, with something that can that you can bring to somebody and say, look, God is not really like this. <laughs> if this is the way that you've learned about God, if this is what you've heard about God, this is not the way God works. And hopefully you can bring them to a true understanding of the God who serves. Uh, again, the lesson is yours. Let us, let us pray in, uh, as we prepare to close uh, our show for this evening. Uh, dear God and Father, we thank you once again for this day. We thank you for allowing us to have the opportunity to uh, look into, to study your word, and to, to learn more about you, Father. We just love you so much. We want to uh, make sure that your name is known and proclaimed throughout all the world and that you get the glory and honor that you are due, Father. We want to inspire people to choose you, Father, to choose to, to follow you of their own free will, Father, to, to choose to love you and, and uh and to abandon the things of the world, Father, that will only bring them into destruction, Father. Watch over us, Father. We pray to, to go our separate ways this evening, Father. Keep us in your care until we have the opportunity to meet at the next point in time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Sweetest frame, but holy lean on Jesus' name. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media, Facebook Live. My co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, he was live on Facebook. And also, I believe Glenn was live as well. He normally does his presentation live as well. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, for that fine lesson he gave on the broadcast. He always does a great job. I, I just love hearing Robert preach. He's a preacher. He he just loves to preach. And I also like the message that was given by Glenn McMillian as well. And these gentlemen always do a great job on this show, and I appreciate their efforts. And my co-host, Tim Bench, he did a great job answering our from the anonymous queries from North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. And it is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This time The storm Well, it brought me down And I pray, Father, please have mercy, Lord, cause I'm almost dead. And every morning when I would rise, I did not think I could face another day, but I made because you fed me my, 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 my daily Yeah, oh, see, when I needed faith, God fed me Now 
Come to my rescue. 